Madame Tussauds in Germany. Apparently there's an exhibit that took 25 workers four months on this waxwork using more than 2,000 pictures and pieces of archive material. Then it was opened. First person that came in beheaded it. <laughs> Hitler! Hitler! <laughs> Mr. Hilter! Yeah, Mr. Hilter himself. They, they've said he's a major figure in history. Yeah. So he, that's enough to, that's enough of a reason why they should. Yeah, uh, but, it, but it, basically there was anti-fascist de- demonstration. They knew it, they knew they were going to do it that day, so mm. they were there first. Just shows you, you know, some people will, will never be accepted in society. Well, it's one way of curing the biggest pain in the neck in the 20th century, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Knock it off. <laughs> so, so what are they going to do with Hitler's head and sticking back on? Sticking back no, on? No, using football facts. <laughs> <laughs> And the rest of his body, I presume they'd melt him down, will they? Yeah, make him into gerbils and see what <laughs> Welcome to the Saffron Planet Show. Um, what do we have on the menu today? Well, we've got a very moving testimony from uh, David. Louis is back with uh, talking about sex, which is a really fantastic thing for young people to listen to. And of course, we're talking about comedy and where that fits in with our gospel message and can we as as, uh, Christians use comedy, maybe? Mm. That's quite interesting. So what do we have first, then? Well, first of all, I think we have that moving testimony. Okay, so let's hear it now. Can I I say that um, I I had a son who died before he was three years of age. Mm. And um, I blamed God. Um, I wasn't a believer at the time. Uh, I blamed God for taking my son, even though I didn't believe necessarily mm. in God. I yeah, just blamed yeah. him. And um, I remember saying to myself, oh, you, you lucky Christians, you can blame everything bad on the devil. Yeah. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I turned my back on God yeah. and uh, didn't believe in God anymore. Mm. I basically said man created God. Did you have a sort of a, a rough belief in like, Jewish sort of a belief? I went through believing in God to becoming, um, as I was trained as a scientist, a science teacher, um, then I took on a scientific um, perspective, rationalism, Rationalism. and so it was man who created God, not God created man, and so my son's death was the the final nail in the coffin, well I say final now because it happened to be it yeah. happened 20 20 years or so later there was a wake up call mm. and it was because of my son's death that i think i was able to feel god's empathy but it took 20 mm. years for me to feel it mm. right. i didn't i blamed god rather than yeah. saying to myself or feeling to myself god's weeping with me god yeah. is sad with me yeah. it was why have you taken him away why have you let this happen so you cut god out of your life uh, not knowing what he was going through and what you could have yes. tapped into yes you know? I find that quite amazing mm. that uh, the majority of people that don't believe in God or anything, but as soon as something bad happens, yeah. the first thing is, why did God allow that? That yeah. is, so you're supposed to be a good God yeah. and so on. Yeah. And it's amazing how always God gets the blame. Yeah. Also, all the people that pray to God when they're in, they're in the plane going down, you know. Mm. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. doing their rosaries quickly. They pray, oh God, I believe, I do, I do everything, you know, just save me. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, we, we've got this natural inbuilt yeah. need to believe in God basically yeah. I think uh, even those that deny it's because we're yeah. scared of death scared of death that's right yeah, that's the only reason yeah. Yeah. I think really I thank God that he never ever put me through that horrendous mm. test mm. you know because mm. when we had our children 
um, the thought of anything happening to them yeah. would just, I knew it would just, well, more, it takes your life away, doesn't mm-hmm. it? And I really feel for you. Yeah. And to, um, to sort of, well, obviously you can go either way. Mm-hmm. You either sort of think, okay, God, why, why mm-hmm. did you do this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, even see words of comfort, there was, uh, I It couldn't comfort you, I don't suppose. Well, no, time. no, I went to the synagogue, I went through the normal Jewish uh, shiva and mourning, mm-hmm. but I didn't get a lot of um, comfort, comfort mm-hmm. from it. But then my, when I was working in a school and the head teacher, who was a Catholic, he put, he really hit me with a sledgehammer and he said, God takes those that he loves best. <laughs> that was of no comfort at all, no, no, <laughs> you know. No. It was. Uh, How old was it? your boy? Was three, three weeks yeah. before his third birthday. No, that's even harder. Yeah. I think when you've got to know that child, the character, and the, first the child. old the little personality in them mm. as well. Mm. Uh, but sometimes, how I've seen with some people that I've known that have lost children. Um, it goes one way or another. They either get hardened or God, if they know God, like you didn't know him as you know him now. No. Am I correct? Yeah. Correct, yes. um, when you know God as you know him now, you would have been somewhat different. I know now, I, okay, I knew God then. And, and as, as I say, I, I thank God with all my heart that I didn't have to go through that. But knowing if I did... I would n- it would not have taken my faith in any way. No, no. I would still know that yeah. um, God gives and he takes away and and life is precious. And, and you do know, um, I think the wonderful thing is when children do go, you just know they go straight to heaven, mm. you know. Well, and and time, No, which wouldn't have been a comfort. Yeah, of course it would have been But as, when you know Christ and you know yeah. God and you know the moving the Holy Spirit, and then another thing... If you're a Christian and you've acknowledged Jesus and you've got that well, the Messiah and you've got that power of the Holy Spirit within you, there's a comforter. Yes, of right. So, so God's going to heal you from inside, heal your mind, I your emotions. Let him in. I just wouldn't let him no, in. you wouldn't. You couldn't. No. You couldn't. So when you became no. a believer, you were able to reconcile. Well, my reconciliation home. came before I became a believer. Right. Um, I had a, a the Holy Spirit. Um, I had an experience which was yeah, just unbelievable that yeah. I felt myself being drawn to God and Wonderful. that uh, the Lord was saying something to me and I could even hear his voice. That was mm. a specific time that it happened. Yeah. Audibly. So, the, yeah. Audibly, yeah. I heard, heard the voice audibly. of God audibly. Beautiful. So what happened before that? Was there anything leading up to that or was it totally out of the blue? N- not really. Mm. I'd, been, um, I'd been antagonistic towards Jews for Jesus. Yeah and uh, decided one day to visit their bookshop and oh, right. give them a piece of my mind. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> uh, you know, how can you call yourself a Jew and believe in Jesus? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was so obnoxious, and uh, we had this debate that lasted for about two hours, and um, Jonathan, who was director at the time, mm-hmm. asked me um, if he could come and pay me a visit. <laughs> I won't tell you what I said to him. <laughs> and he kept phoning me up um, saying I, I happen to be in your area ha ha witchcraft you know just around the corner yeah. um, I think no not, no thank you no thank you and the usual cliche God's knocking on your door but yeah. you're not letting him yeah. in yeah. and um, I just dismissed it all mm. and then um, 
one particular morning, probably about four or five weeks after mm. my um, mm. initial visit to Juice for Jesus, I had um, an unusual experience waking up in the morning because mm. normally when I woke up in the morning, this was say 20 years after my son had died, yeah. it was always with dread waking up to face another day. Yeah. Um, and I would feel very heavy and think, oh, you know, like, yeah. like oh, I've got to get out of bed and yeah. get on with work. But that particular morning I woke up and I felt elevated yeah. and I felt a joy that I hadn't had yeah. since I was a child. Wow. And what's happened? They've probably been praying for you then. Some, somebody yeah. had been yeah, doing people, some work behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, people definitely. Praying, people praying. I think this is what's wonderful in the body of Christ because we get to know of things with different ones. Yeah. And you get people praying for you, and and the power of power prayer, prayer yeah. power of prayer, yeah. is so absolutely yeah. so your, wonderful. Your big event did that happen soon after that? Then, when you heard God? And, well, no, mm-hmm. even with that wake-up call, hearing God's voice, yeah. and feeling yeah. um, that there was some, uh, um, there was something that God was telling me that we shared in common, yeah. and I, I I shouted out. I don't know if I woke my neighbour up. Um, what are you trying to tell me? And and the Lord said, I too have lost my only son. Mm. And I went, what are you talking about, Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> and and I cut him off there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that wasn't enough to even wake me up. Oh, and it still went on the back burner for a, a good year. How did you explain that to your rational mind that you've heard a voice out of nowhere? Uh, As a rational person, well, I hadn't been smoking any dope the night no. before, so I couldn't. <laughs> I mean, no trees. Trees, yes. <laughs> you just put it down to something weird. Like. So, no, I knew it was a supernatural. Um, yeah. I just had to let it. I, let, I, I had to be challenged even further when yeah. uh, my fiance um, uh, told me uh, about a year later. She said, before we get married, she said, I need to tell you something. Mm. So I thought, oh, no, what's she going to tell me? I used to be a man or something. And she said to me, um, I, um, um, I've given my heart to Jesus. And I said, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was it. So I, you're on a hit list then. So, yeah, yeah. So they were getting to me right, left and centre. And I, even at that point, I still rationalised in my mind because I was returning to the God of uh, the Jews, the yeah. God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, yeah. no Yeshua. Yeah. And I was um, thinking, oh, God, you're now testing me. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you've brought a woman into my life. Yeah. You're, you know, you're restoring some kind of happiness to me. Yeah. And now you're putting in front of me this choice. Is yeah. it you, God, or is it this woman to be my wife? Yeah. That's how I saw it, a choice. And I said, I, I go with you, God. Okay, it was like I was being tested, like Job. Yeah. And I said, I go with you, God. Yeah. And so I then went to uh, study the word to find so out. So you were trying, you were sort of saying, by God, you mean like the Old Testament God? The Old Testament God. Nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing to no, do with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to go back to your word, yeah, God, and yeah. prove that this Meshuggah fiancé yeah. is really lost it completely. Yeah, yeah. And I went out on a quest to prove her wrong. Right. And, and proved her right. <laughs> <laughs> And I hadn't read Stan Telchin's book, which was no. amazing. Same because story. Yeah. Same story as yeah. Stan, really. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Sissy, women, they're your helpmate. Well, they can also be your hindrance. Look at Eve. Yeah, cause all the problems, isn't it? No, yeah. no, no. Adam yeah. was told. He was told. Yeah, but he you see told. the woman, the woman. Apple, apple.
Right, that was the testimony of uh, of David, and it goes to show that God has different ways of drawing us to Him. Do you have any to say? Yeah, it put me in mind of Psalm one three nine when um, where it says, "Where can I go from Your Spirit? Where, where can I flee from, from You?" Presence, that God yeah, is yeah. there and just waiting, really. And you know, sometimes you hear an audible voice. Mm. And you even ignore it, so it's quite a shock to to see yeah. what David had to go he's through. Very, really, very very honest and but, uh, um, yeah. amazing yeah. about mm. you know his fiance as well. I thought that was mm. really interesting. The yeah. choices he had to make, which we all have to make. We all mm. make choices, don't we? Okay, well we go on to something a bit more earthy. Um, we've got part two now of Louis talking about sex. Um, anything you want to say about that, or do we just go into it? Um, yeah, it's, it's how God sees sex and also when uh, that physical commitment to another person, when we take it and why. Okay, well, let, let people decide for themselves then. Mm-hmm. So, over to you, Louis. Sex, I've always thought of, is the physical expression, or should be um, in a relationship, the physical expression of a love that is already there in both their hearts. Now, I mean, when you talk about sex um, with your mates, for example, it's not really going to be about that, is it? Lots of, as teenagers, we end up focusing on the more physical aspects of it. We think about the physical aspects of sex, basically. And we don't think about the emotional repercussions and why it's here. And being a gift, sex isn't the be-all and end-all. God didn't just say, here, make lots of people. He put two people together first. He made a male and a female that was supposed to be together then he said go f- be fruitful and multiply the fact is when sex is used outside a committed loving relationship it becomes very dangerous and when I was younger my mum always used to refer to sex as God's wedding present which I thought was a really um, at the time it sort of it, I understood it on that level and it's quite a good analogy it's something that God gave last after two people stand up and commit themselves to each other, then God gives sex. They stand in the presence of God and say, I love this person and I will forever. Then God says, have sex. The thing is, when two people are not together in their hearts, why should they be together with their bodies? And the reason for this isn't because God wants to make our lives boring or he wants to harm us, or he wants to take away our joy. It is actually, he wants to protect us. Now, most of us probably know what it's like to be dumped. And it doesn't feel good, does it? It's not pleasant, it's not fun, it's not a joy. It's usually quite painful, it can be quite upsetting, and it can leave you with a whole lot of questions. Now, the thing is, God wants us to be with someone forever. Now, along with that, he also wants us to be able to give them a gift and that gift is actually ourselves everything you know we when you get up and stand and get married you give someone your heart and you say in front of God this person is now a part of me and I love them and I will protect them then after that you give yourself physically you share each other as it were I remember um, quite recently I I was at a talk um, that someone was giving about sex and this Christian was saying to me that what was amazing about his wedding days, he'd, he'd been, um, he'd kept himself for whoever he was going to marry. And the amazing thing was, when he stood up there at that altar, he was saying to his wife, 
that I loved you so much that even before I knew you, even before I knew who you were, I kept myself for you. So, not having sex before marriage is very much just about keeping yourself for whoever that person is God has put on the planet for you. I like that phrase that he used, uh, God's wedding present mm. of sex, which that is... Uh, Kim, but it was just nice to hear, and uh, it's good to hear a 17-year-old being so so frank and honest. And uh, mm. if, if if they're all like that, then we'll have great hope for the future. But you know, the way well, I think are. he's got some really good messages there for young people, yeah. hasn't he? And it's taking God seriously and what God has given us seriously, yeah. really, and not as the world sees it, but as it was supposed to be. Mm. So we move on now, and this, the next conversation is also dominated a little bit by Louis, uh, being a, a trainee stand-up comedian and um, 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 comedian amongst many of his talents. Mm. Um, I thought this was a great um, conversation that you all had, actually, because it looked at so many aspects of comedy. Um, I know that sometimes I feel really uncomfortable with some comedy. And, um, you know, as a Christian, what do you laugh at? Are there some mm. taboo subjects? Are there things that you can't laugh about? But can you use comedy to get the message across mm. it's a really good uh, yeah. way of doing it well it? it's very wide ranging as you said so mm. hopefully there'll be something for everybody in this next section so yeah, let's go really over to yep okay Comedians, oh. you've got yes. something to say about Christian comedians. I yes. mean, non-Christian comedians who become atheists. Yes. Yeah. Well, those you all yeah. start off and stay atheists, really, mm. don't they? Yeah, like Ricky Gervais. Uh, yeah, very funny bloke. Prominent but, atheist, but yeah. quite a strong atheist. Yeah. Mm. Well, his, it's interesting. Like his next film, yeah. his next film, um, or his first film, in fact, is directed is about how when we evolved before we evolved the gene for lying. So it's again, it's that thing of like he's become so wrapped up in it all through every stand-up set I've seen of his. There's always something about evolution, creation, creation um, yes. God, because he studied philosophy and, mm. and believed it was all wrong. Blah blah blah. But you can see how that's affecting mm. his comedy, and he's yeah. almost becoming a comic Spoke adversary, evangelist for yeah. And other yeah, his next film is about the well. next film is about yeah. cavemen and evolution yeah. and yeah. how we evolved yeah. to learn to lie and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And it's that's his new fuel type thing. Yeah. yeah. And it goes down really well in this country. I'm surprised he's so popular in America. Cause well, it's, it's, it's popular in America because the Christian, or the so-called Christian, can't right, out. in America, is annoying a lot of people. Does oh. that make sense? Because they see a lot yeah. of there's hypocrisy. A back, there's a backlash. They see hypocrisy, yeah. they see cheesiness, they see mm. badly, they yeah. see weird representations mm. of Christians in the media. Yeah. And so if someone speaks out against it, they're all for it. Yeah. yeah. It's not just because they don't, agree with the message because they don't like what a lot of the church in America is doing okay so gone's comedians now so what comedians what Christian comedians are there there are two two (laughs) there are two that have made (laughs) there are two two in the UK that make a full time one's a guy called Tim Vine um, who's very big Jeremy Vine's brother Jeremy Vine's brother and he has the world record for the most number of puns in an hour puns yeah like Um, (laughs) and Milton Jones is another guy. Again, puns. We saw him, yeah. Who we saw. Now, I find it really weird that if comedy is about looking at the world from a different angle, yeah. right, if that's what really good comedy is, mm. then surely, instead of having, like, I'm not criticising them, instead of having just little puns mm. that don't really mean anything, yeah. surely we should have the best things to say because yeah. not only do we look yeah. at things from a completely yeah. different angle, but we had. look at tr- mm. it from if a truth If we angle. had uh, someone like what Ben Elton used to do, 
he, re- he used to look at hypocrisy of like Thatcher's Britain and all that. But, oh, but, but no, no, hold yeah, I know that. <laughs> There's a, Christ, a, Christian, a Christian sort of angle to that, to actually yeah. showing up hypocrisy, Definitely. showing up the ridiculous of atheism. Things like, someone clever enough. Rather than that. just silly little puns. Exactly. So I didn't but find I thought, him funny at all, Milton Jones. Yeah, so I, th- I, 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 I stood in front really of him funny. and I could not... Oh, I thought well, he was really funny. I didn't, so. But I, I thought it was funny. I, I, but I've never seen him. It, it was funny. It yeah. has no power, yeah. though. That, I mean, that, yeah. It's one of the things. Do you do a job... Yeah. You know, is he doing that job to win people? Is he yeah. doing that job just so, look, Christians have a laugh well, without going to... The thing is, is Christian is a comedian. Yeah. You can't judge. He's a comedian who is Christian. His comedy isn't necessarily Christian. I think there needs to be a bit more no. risks yeah. taken in it as well, because a lot of the Christian comedians that I've seen, yeah. like on YouTube and stuff, because again, America has its own little Christian comedy yeah. just awful, because they're not willing to say much. No. They're pointing out things that are really quite yeah. boring, and silly, a, like, because, they, a, because they need to appeal to everyone, yeah, yeah, because Christian comedy is trying to appeal to Christians. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas what they should do is Christians should look at the world... Yeah. Take the hypocrisy yeah, of the world absolutely. and display yeah. it to the world. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it goes way. back to what yeah. you were saying about how yeah. in the world you be. Yeah. It's like, you know, should a Christian comedian yeah. swear to make a point yeah. or use something extreme mm. to make a point? Depends who his audience is, because yeah. his audience is Christians. If you're doing For whatever it reason, they'll be offended and he'll lose his market. Mm. But mm. if he does that to the secular world, there could be a, a a worth, worth doing that on I the odd occasion. Is, uh, on the odd occasion. Yeah. yeah, it is. Uh, it's relevant. A it's normal. It's yet to be worked yeah. on properly. Yeah, Louis, stand up, comedian. Come on, Louis, stand up, comedian. Come on, one day. But it's, it's, it's just a bit, you just think. I remember someone saying to me, um, "Do you think, as a Christian, you'll struggle to do stand up?" I said, "Well, no, because think of how you look at sex. Think of how you look at marriage. Think of how you look at God. Think of how you look at children. Think of how you look at everything." Mm. And I bet you, I look at it completely different to you. Mm. And I have since I was yeah. seven or eight. But and that equipping yeah. to yeah. look at something... Because that can come out in your comedy, audience. though, if you do comedy. That's the yeah. challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. You, that's you personally. I think you're, you come from an angle where you can do that because that's your personal journey and, and your opinions are, are quite idiosyncratic and the way you, you sort of voice them... You've got a funny way about you, but like <laughs> yes, yes. Christians, <laughs> Christians, in order for Christians to tackle stand-up comedy or any sorts of comedy, they have to they have to tackle taboo subjects because those are the ones that get the most laughs. And you know, a good good joke is made better by a bit of swearing. I think. I mean, in in general, in context, in context, in, like, I guess. A a comedian who says something dirty to get a laughs. I can't never. I can't quote it properly. Oh, Something like that. Okay, stop that. Stop that. Wait, wait. I'm thinking it through. I'm thinking it through. A real com- right. Anyone could. Yeah. Anyone could say something dirty and get a laugh. It takes a real comedian to say something clean and get a laugh. That's a Groucho yeah. Marx one. Yeah. So, and he yeah. never swore. Yeah. yeah. Groucho Marx was the worst of the lot behind the camera. He was oh yeah. Quite, yes. He was. He was oh. Yeah. Obviously yeah. that. That's the. He next was part like of the story. <laughs> Yeah, but. In front of the yeah, camera, he made people world. laugh without swearing. So do you? Think, but he was he's a genius. <laughs> this thing, because I've had some stand-up recorded, and it's been it's had weird reactions because it went down well with the crowd. They all laughed and they're supposed to laugh, clap, blah blah blah, that sort of rubbish, right? And I played it to some people from the church, and they loved it. But then I said to them, "Would you play it in your church?" They're like, "No, of course yeah. not." <laughs> and I repeated some of it on a Christian radio station, and they got so many texts going, "Oh, what is?" 
Where Stop it. You're Frank. being really close to the bone. No, this was at, um, this was at a Christian conference last right. week. Right. Um, <laughs> and it's that thing of like, they'll applaud it, but not in church. Yeah. And I think that's the point. Where you say things has an effect. Absolutely. I wouldn't bother targeting Christians. No, it's a waste I don't, of time. Exactly. Yeah. I, I part of me have said it purely yeah. because I knew yeah. it would anger them. Yeah. Um, and I felt yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, but, that's, that's cool, man. That's but I, it's, it's one of those things, though, would... If you look at Jesus, was there anything that he said that he wouldn't say in the temple? Probably not. He, he would throw up tables in anger. It's that <laughs> thing of, you know, sometimes you don't have to have the full on... Obviously, you have to be accountable and stuff. And I have got people that I speak to and pass it through. But uh, you don't have to necessarily have every Christian, every church, 100% agreeing with what you're doing yeah. to necessarily know it's right. Yeah. It's always going to be mean, we have nom- denominations for start off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they have a slightly different viewpoint of the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine like the meetings that your material would have to sit through in order to be cleared by every single person? You'd have... All, I'd have about... I'd, I'd, my set would be, hi, I'm Louis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hi, I'm Louis. I don't think you should use hi. the it. Yeah, you don't even have the, you don't have the connective <laughs> left. <laughs> and the definite and indefinite articles. Other than that, there's no think, nouns. I don't think the no short version of hello, hi should be used. It sort of shows uh, laziness and yeah. Yeah, that's slovenly. And that's and, attitude in the house of God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically you've been a great audience <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit loud it's a bit, you know well in lowercase let's yeah. think character comedy is something that's gone very well at expressing and showing up the world you know um, Sasha Baron Cohen Borat used his really overt anti-Semitism yeah as a sort of opportunity for other people that felt the same to show it. To show it. And so obviously, yeah. you know, Excellent. Borat was done by a guy that is Jewish, yeah. you know, um, but using comedy. Yeah. And I think in many ways, I wouldn't say it's Christian, he's not Christian, yeah. but what he has done yeah. is something, it's you know, too, in my own, major. it's yeah. quite major. Yeah. And in my own so. sort of little why, I can imagine God smiling at that going, yeah, yeah well done. Yeah. You've, you've shown some people up. To sh- yeah. You've shown the true colours of a few people I'm sure in a very clever and entertaining way. His latest character is overtly gay, isn't he? Yeah, yeah see, now he's Austrian. But I think character comedy is much more overlooked. I think we should pull more pranks on churches. That's what I feel. I think they'll be an easy target as well. You'd be surprised what we've got along with. But no, I think comedy is a difficult one for Christians mm. because people don't want to offend. Mm. It's that same thing. They don't want to... Yeah. With every other job, right, you're allowed to get things wrong. So mm. that sense? If you're a pastor, you're allowed to get things yeah. wrong. If you're a musician... But if you're a comic and you yeah. say something offensive, mm. poof, yeah. that's the end. They will really not be happy. In, in Whereas you could world, make... In, in the Christian world. Yeah. Whereas, like, in a business world, mm. if you made a dodgy mm. deal, if you yeah. made a deal that didn't turned out not to be right, yeah. they go, oh, he's made a mistake. Yeah. But there are some things that they just don't let you make mistakes. It yeah. reflects badly. So it just shows and comedy, you I think, is one of them, because it's you. You could be the first evangelistic <laughs> comedian yeah. out in the real world. Yeah. could be interesting. You'd yeah. be very controversial. I've got in trouble. Now. You gonna, I've got when are you going to be in Edinburgh this year? I thought you were going to Edinburgh. I was going to go to Edinburgh last, this year, yeah. but then I thought, now I might go next year. I've got a gig tomorrow. Yeah, I've got a stand-up gig tomorrow. You've been listening to Saffron Planet, who are the Maltzworth and Jeffrey families and friends. Thanks uh, this time to David, Garby and Chris for their contributions. Um, this was produced and edited by Steve Maltz, music by Howard Worth and mixed by Steve Jeffrey. You can listen to more of these chats on saffronplanet.net. Goodbye.